0: well good morning it's good to uh, be with you this morning and uh, this is a real privilege for me and an honor to be able to sharing uh, God's word with you Uh, wherever you are this morning i'm assuming that most folks are sitting in the lounge maybe even their bed something like that with a cup of coffee and just watching and listening our topic for this morning is embrace the promise of his presence we're going through a series just now At New Life Church, here about embracing the promises of God, and this one is embracing the promise of His presence. Uh, You know, my greatest fear uh, when I was appointed to be a pastor 22 years ago uh, to a church was that uh, people would leave the church when they heard me preaching, or people just wouldn't bother coming back the next week, and one day I would turn up and there would be nobody at church. Well, Today that fear has been realized. Uh, I'm preaching and the church is empty. I'm consoling myself with the fact that there might be uh, a few of you who are watching and listening to this this morning. In fact, I'm imagining that there are 3,000 people tuning in to this today. Thank you for being one of those people. Uh, By the way, by God's grace, the church that I pastored didn't go into decline and didn't empty either. And I'm so glad about that. I'm going to read this morning uh, some verses, first of all, from Romans chapter 8. And uh, some of you will be very familiar with these words. So let me read them to you just now from the New Living Translation. Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. And Paul, the apostle, he says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I wonder what your greatest fear is right now. I want to tell you that whatever that fear is, God has not left you. You know I read this story in a book recently written by a good friend of mine and this is what he writes there. Please just sit back, relax, get that cup of coffee ready to listen to this. What I believe is a very powerful story, a very real story, a true story. He says pretty much every Nigerian woman knows how to dance. It's a wonderful experience to watch them throw themselves into worship. Rebecca however could neither dance nor sing at least not anymore. Her grief was so deep and so painful that she simply could not find her way out. You see, Rebecca had witnessed atrocities that nobody should ever have to witness. She lives in a remote village in northeastern Nigeria where Christians are in a small minority. Her village, like many others, was attacked by a group of Fulani herdsmen, radical Islamists. She saw the rebels murder her husband in cold blood along with many more in the village. Then a few months later, they returned to the village to wreak some more havoc. This time, they murdered her son. They left her not only widowed, and being a widow in the village culture left her stigmatized and excluded from much of village life. Two years on, Rebecca's pastor heard about a trauma center funded by Open Doors. He encouraged her to go along, hidden away from prying eyes, this pioneering work has been helping those worst affected by these brutal massacres. It was headed by a godly woman named Tiram, a trained therapist and a team of skilled workers. They worked patiently alongside women like Rebecca on her journey towards healing. It was Tiram who shared Rebecca's story. When I first saw her, Tiram remembers, you could barely see her. She was wrapped in a gown made of toweling. It was like she was hiding away. And so Rebecca attended the trauma center to work through the unspeakable horror of all she had seen and experienced. The women met together in small groups. They tried to express their emotions through art therapy, through studying the Bible, worshipping together in a place of safety. For days, Rebecca seemed to attend the meetings only as a passive observer. As other women told their stories and shed their tears, she just sat there. Her expressionless face and dead eyes said everything. However, no one tried to haul her out of her shell or force her to join. And as fellow sufferers, they understood the depth of her pain and lostness. Rebecca was frozen in her sorrow. Then slowly, as the days passed, things began to change. The breakthrough came during an art therapy class, remembers Tiram, We told them to draw a picture that represented their struggles. In small groups, they walked away. Rebecca drew a picture of a coffin and a crying face. It was unbelievably sad. The women all came together to show and talk about what they had painted and drawn. After two days in complete silence, Rebecca started to talk about her painting. Then we told the women to take their paintings and place them at the foot of a cross we had erected. Rebecca laid her painting there. Later, she said, the moment I laid my picture at the cross, a lightness of heart came over me. I rediscovered my peace. Slowly, she came back to life. Her lips started moving silently to the words of the worship songs. Her pain had been acknowledged and validated by the staff and the other woman. Placing her picture at the foot of the empty cross caused her to think in a very real way that Jesus, a man of sorrows who was acquainted with her grief, had also validated her suffering and loss. Then, with her head nodding in empathy to the stories of others and the Bible readings, Everyone could see her self-isolation begin to melt. Her voice, only a whisper to begin with, started to sing the worship songs as she sat outside in the cool of the evening. Something else happened. Her foot started tapping along to the music. Finally, the following morning, Rebecca took the plunge. She stood up and started dancing. It was a beautiful moment. Rebecca had returned to life. She discovered again the joy of her salvation. The grieving widow, frozen with sadness, had learned how to dance again. The writer of the book says this, For those of us who find ourselves going into emotional and spiritual hibernation, God is present. He's the one who wants to reveal to us again the joy of our salvation. He's the one who can gently lift us out of hibernation. And teach us to dance again. With God's help, we have a choice in these dark times. A choice to yield to fear. Or a choice to carry the fragrance of Jesus into the world. Paul the Apostle writes, We become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one to God. A perfume of life to those who are saved. With God's help, we have a choice in these dark times a choice to yield to fear or a choice to carry the fragrance of Jesus into the world. A number of years ago, I attended Bible college. Some call it Bible seminary, others Bible cemetery, whatever you want to call it. I remember one of the classes where one of our lecturers said to us, you know, there are times when as ministers as pastors as leaders we'll be going to visit people in hospital we will be going to visit people who are in end stages of life we'll be going to visit people in intensive care and actually there's nothing to say at times but what you're doing is you're taking the presence of Jesus with you into those situations that's never left me after all these years I've thought about it often. I've remembered it often as I've been in those situations. But also through our day-to-day lives, we as God's called people are carrying the fragrance of Jesus with us wherever we go, whether it's into a shop, whether it's into an office, whether it's to wave at a neighbor, whether it's to do an act of kindness, whether it's to look out the window at somebody. We actually carry the fragrance of Jesus with us. There's a man in the Old Testament called Joshua. He's one of my favorite characters in the whole of Scripture, if you're allowed to have favorite characters. He's one of the ones for me. And he was asked by God to lead the people of Israel. Moses had led them as their leader through slavery in Egypt. He'd brought them out of that, and he'd led them through the Red Sea on dry land. Now it was Joshua's turn to take over from the mighty Moses. I wonder how he felt. Anxious, fearful, terrified, uncertain what lay ahead. Probably all of the above, to be honest. But God speaks right into Joshua's situation and says this to him, and I want to read the verses from Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. Be strong and courageous, God says to Joshua, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you, Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Listen to these words. Have I not commanded you, God says? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. In my preparation for this sermon I had a very strong sense from the Lord that these words were for somebody watching this today. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you. If that's where the verse ends and the promise stops it would be good but it doesn't stop there. God says to Joshua and to you and me today, I will be with you wherever you go. That means he's with you right now. That means he'll be with you after this service is over and tomorrow and the next day and all of this week. Wherever you are, God has promised to be with you. You know, there's another man in the Old Testament I enjoy reading, and uh, sometimes I've preached about his life story, a man called Joshua. Joshua was before, sorry, Joseph, and Joseph was before Joshua's day. Joseph, as you probably remember, was the, the youngest brother in the family when we pick up his story. His brothers hated Joseph, mainly because he was their fa- father's favorite son. And the brothers plotted to kill Joseph and throw him into a pit one day and were going to pretend to their father that he'd been killed by a wild animal. Then they noticed a group of traders coming along the road who were heading to the land of Egypt. And so they sold Joseph to them. The story goes on to say that Joseph was sold onto Potiphar, a man who was the captain of the king of Egypt's guard, but he suffered some pretty horrific experiences. However, we discover that Joseph does some really impressive stuff while in Pharaoh's household. So much so that Joseph is promoted to the second in command of the country. You see, like Joshua, God was with Joseph wherever he went. In Genesis 39 verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did, and he served in the home of his Egyptian master. God was with Joseph wherever he went. And the final part of the story is that Joseph eventually meets up with brothers, his brothers. And although they didn't know who he was by then, he wanted to share the journey with them. And instead of getting revenge on his brothers, Joseph says to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. One of the more recent times when I preached a sermon on Joseph's life, I wanted to highlight those two words. And that was the theme of the sermon that day. But God. And the week following on from the service, somebody created a plaque for me and gave it to me with a string on it. And it simply says this, but God. And Sheena and I have got this hanging in our kitchen. We're in the kitchen a lot. And every time we're in that kitchen, we can look at that plaque or we can think about it as we're in other parts of the house or wherever we happen to be. Such a stark reminder that no matter our circumstances, and sometimes they're pretty bad, we can always remember, but God... Maybe you'd like to hold on to these two amazing words this week. Maybe you're thinking, going through this lockdown period, what possible good can come out of it? This is absolute rubbish, what is happening to me and to my family. What purpose is there in my life right now? Would you remember those two words? If you forget lots of other things, but God, he was with Joseph He was with Joshua and all the characters that we read about in the Bible and today as well. He's with you. And even although we can't always see it or feel it or experience it, God has a plan for our lives and he's promised to go with us wherever we go. Some time ago somebody sat me down and asked me some really personal questions about my life and what had been happening and what my upbringing was like, etc. And one of the questions they asked me was, how do you get on with your human father? Now, my father has long since gone from this world, but I was able to recall with fondness my human father. In fact, I would say he was the best father anybody could ever have. And if I ever hear anybody talking to me or talking on the television or the radio about the fact that their father was the best, then my instant reaction is to say, I'll fight you over that one because I think I had the best father ever. He was loving, he was caring, he was kind, he was compassionate, he was gentle. If I could be half the man my father was, I'd be delighted. But as this questioner, Asked me a bit more about my relationship to my human father. I was able to say that uh, in spite of appearances, when I was younger, I used to play a lot of sport. I used to play uh, rugby in the morning, every Saturday morning for the school. I used to play football every Saturday afternoon for various clubs around Ayrshire. But I never remember once my father turning up to watch me play. He may have done, and I just simply have forgotten it, but I don't think so. He wasn't that kind of father, but he was all that I've already said he was to me. Couldn't hold him in any higher regard than I do today. But there were times when he wasn't there. And the questioner said to me, so does any of what you've told me about your relationship with your human father resonate with your relationship to your heavenly father? And I had to admit, as a, as a mature Christian, I had to admit, admit to this questioner that yes, there are times in my life when you know, I look at my Heavenly Father and I worship him worship Him for who He is. He's the best. There is no one greater than my Heavenly Father. There's no one kinder. There's no one more compassionate. There's no one more loving than my Heavenly Father. And yet, I had to admit that there are times in my life when I don't see him, when I don't feel him, when I don't think he's there with me, and he's an absent father. That absolutely flies in the face of what we're reading today. And I want to say to you, if you resonate with anything I've said there, then please believe me. No, please believe what the Scripture says. It's the Word of God when he says he'll be with us wherever we go, even although we don't necessarily feel him or experience him. Jesus told his disciples just before he left them to go back to heaven in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Jesus promised to be with his disciples, and that includes you if you are a follower of Jesus, that he'll be with us to the very end of time. None of us knows when the end of the world will happen. And if anyone tells you they do know, then please don't believe them. The Bible tells us that only God the Father knows when it will happen. What we are promised is that God's presence will be with us, will never leave us, ever. You know what? Jesus made that promise, and he never breaks a promise. If you're feeling a little anxious or fearful or afraid, remember what God said to Joshua. I will be with you wherever you go. If you're wondering what lies ahead and why you're going through what you are going through, remember Joseph. Remember, but God. If you're wondering if God will ever turn his back on you or forget about you, Jesus tells us, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I want to do two things right now as we bring this time to a conclusion this morning. I want to read those words from Romans chapter 8 to us again as an affirmation of what we've been sharing, but hopefully as an affirmation into your life and a reminder and encouragement of who God is and who we are in relation to him. And then I want us to pray together, and I would like to pray over you wherever you're sitting, wherever you're standing, wherever you are this morning. So let me read these words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8. He said, and please embrace this, please embrace these words for your own life. He said, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Our Lord, hold on to it for today. And for this week, let me pray for you just now. I don't know what your habit is in praying, but I love it when somebody is praying for me as an individual or for ourselves as a couple or for a congregation, for me just to have an attitude of receiving. And so in receiving, I want to just put my hands out as if I'm receiving a gift from God. And so maybe you want to just put your hands out just now in front of you, just where you are as I pray over you and ask for God's blessing to be on you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our Father. Thank you that you're a Father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Thank you, Father, you haven't come to condemn us. In fact, you've come to encourage us and to help us on our journey. And to do that, you've promised never to leave us or forsake us. You've promised never to walk away from us or hide from us, even although at times we might feel that's the case. But that's not who you are, Father. Thank you that nothing, not even COVID-19, not even the loss of family or friends, not even lockdown can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, that for some of us watching today, we've been on this road a long time and we've experienced the highs and the lows and we love you dearly and we want to serve you more. And we want to worship you in a deeper way than we've ever done before. Would you help us to do that today and every day? For some of us, we are on a journey of discovery. We don't know you, Jesus. We've heard about you, but we don't know you. Thank you that the Bible tells us that we can get to know you. We can come into a living relationship with you, a friendship with you. And it's only because of what you've done for us, Jesus, by dying on the cross and taking our sins onto that cross, onto your body, and offering us new life and a life that will never end, a life to be with you. You're offering us forgiveness for our past, whatever our past is. Nothing can separate us. And so for some of us today, we're saying, yes, Jesus, I want to begin that relationship with you. And I want to have new life. And as Jesus said, life in all its fullness. So we come to you today with very thankful hearts for who you are and for what you're doing and for what you're saying. And for what you've yet to do in and through our lives as we give ourselves to you. We bless you for the promise of your presence today and every day. Help us never to forget it as we offer you our worship in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.